Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, a bit of music from the 1920s to set the scene. Programme regular Dr Dan Waters was born in 1920 in the east of England, in the county of Norfolk. He came here in 1954. On previous programmes, he's told me about his life here in the 1960s, how he fought in North Africa during the Second World War. So for this programme, I thought we could do a Dan Waters prequel by hearing about his childhood in England, when the main transport was provided by horses. I'd like to say for a start that I am a Norfolk dumpling. But you don't hear that expression used much in these days. A Norfolk dumpling. A Norfolk dumpling is a person who comes from Norfolk. And, of course, it was something you ate years ago, a cuisine. And uh, I haven't had them for years. It's pretty basic diet. It's pretty basic diet that farming people used to eat years ago. So very different from Hong Kong dumplings. Oh yes, quite quite different. What what were they like? Pretty plain, uh, suet, that sort of thing. I remember a schoolboy who I used to sometimes go to his home. His mother used to make them in the nineteen twenties, and it, they were very often in soup. But uh, my mother used to look down on them a little bit. To be perfectly truthful, she wasn't too fond of them. So you were born when <laughs> I was a war baby, in actual fact. I mean, uh, World War One, when all the fathers came back from World War One, there was a baby boom, and there was a, several babies, many babies, born during that boom. I was one of those ba- in the baby boom, and I was born in nineteen twenty. In other words. So I went right the way through my childhood, right the way through the 1920s. So you were born in Norfolk, which is in the east of England, and quite a quite a flat county. Yes, it's the third largest county. It is the county with the largest coastline. There are no hills much, very few hills, and no certainly no mountains. And that's why I used to do tree climbing. I'm quite proud of being from Norfolk. I suppose many people are proud of their counties. Now, when uh, I've interviewed you many times over the past years, you do have still, despite being in Hong Kong since 1954, you still have quite, in, in certain of your pronunciations, quite a bit of Norfolk brogue. Um, Can you give me, apart from saying that you're a a Norfolk dumpling, can you actually give me a couple of examples of Norfolk language? Well, I mean, uh, there is a hansa. That is a, uh, do you know the the bird, a very big bird, a heron, H-E-R-O-N. The the name for that is a a hansa. And there are many, uh, there is the... uh, Goldfinch is another bird, which is the King Harry. There are many names like that, for example, in bird life. And I was only dreaming, going off a little bit, I was only dreaming the other day, in our yard, we used to have our house, a detached house. There was a yard, a builder's yard. It was set up, the firm, by my great-grandfather, in 1853, this builder's firm, and I 
worked in the builders firm. I worked uh, there. I was the fourth generation, started by my great-grandfather. You were the fourth generation of this, this building firm that had been set up in 1853. So where you were growing up was actually a market town. Uh, yes. I was born in Norwich. Uh, Norwich is the county town. And there's a lovely cathedral there, Norwich Cathedral. It's certainly the best building in the whole of the county of Norfolk. And uh, I was born there at my grandmother's house. And then later, about three days later, mother took me to a place called Watton, which is a market town. And she took me back there to my uh, home. I also went to, as a boarder, to Thetford Grammar School. And Thetford Grammar School was on the border of Norfolk and Suffolk. I wasn't altogether happy as a boarder. So what age did you have to go to boarding school? I went there at nine, nine years old. That's very young. It is young. It's younger than most boys. Yet on the other hand, I've sometimes been at dinners in Hong Kong and I've spoken to uh, Chinese boys here who've been away to England to boarding school for several years. And many of them quite enjoyed it. And I looked at their face to see if they're serious. And they are serious. Yes, they are. But you missed your family. Uh, yes, I did. I was, I, I was only a weekly boarder. But nevertheless, that was it. There's a lot to be said. Uh, old men have their dreams. There's no doubt about that. And I was dream, I often dream about my childhood. I was lucky I had a happy childhood. Uh, my father and mother were very good. And, uh, I've heard, I remember a man telling me in Hong Kong, he said, I've got to go back to England to take my children because they miss, they will miss looking over a five-barred gate and watching a cow chewing the cud. So I'm going to take them back home. Yes, there's a lot of images that I have of your childhood. Uh, the quietness of it. I mean, at the time, 1920, when you were born and then going into the 1920s, how many motor cars would there have been? Well, I remember another thing. Uh, our telephone number when we first had was 3636. Three, three, six. That was the telephone number. Uh, our building firm, I mean, when I was brought up, when I was born, uh, we had horses. We didn't have any motor transport. We had horses. So did you know how to ride a horse? Oh, yes. And most of my time, I would say, most of my time I spent with Arthur Payne and Jimmy Flint. Arthur Payne had his own small holding. And I used to go with him, and he had uh, cows and a milk round and animals. Thoroughly enjoyed my years with uh, Arthur Payne. And when he died, he died 1928. He died, and he died uh, sugar diabetes. And he left a few things to me. One of the thing that he things that he left to me was a horse named Flossie 
uh, and it was it was getting on in years a little bit, but I we loved that uh, Olga and I, my sister and I, who died last year. We loved that horse, and eventually it had to to be put down. But you were left a horse named Flossie, and and where you were, you were in a small market town, and it had a big tree. A big tree, a walnut tree. Uh, I reckon about 80 feet high, something like that. And uh, I used to climb it. Uh, I was a great tree climber. <laughs> uh, mother was a little bit scared sometimes, but my father rather liked it. And I can remember, for example, the uh, Jubilee, King George V. And I can remember climbing up the old walnut tree and poking the Union Jack out of the top. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we had a car then. We got rid of the horses. And uh, we, we, we drove around one Sunday afternoon. And I can remember on that Jubilee, there were flags all over the place. And, there, how, and how old were you? Uh, I, uh, I would have been... Uh, 16. Flags everywhere. It really was surprising. Um, so do you remember what your first car, family car was? Uh, yes, it was a Ford. Did you have to wind up the engine at the front? Yes, I believe we cranked it. Yes, you cranked. You pushed it in and you turned it. And you had to be very careful of your wrist because it would kick, you know. It, it would kick. And so when you first got the car, was it just used for work or did you go on nice family outings? Uh, we used to have a men's outing every year. A men's outing? Yeah, for our work workers. And uh, the lorry that we had, we had the first lorry in what? The first lorry in the town. And uh, we used to go to Yarmouth. That was where the men's outing was. And... Uh, we, the family, used to go in the car. Uh, the uh, outing, the men, that used to be, they used to be in a, uh, also a Ford as well. And when you went to Yarmouth, so you were on the coast, um, so was it really a kind of seaside day out? That's right. And so tell me about the seaside in the 1920s in, in England. Well, it was... It could be pretty cold, you know. <laughs> Norfolk, the Norfolk coast, it was on the east coast, and it really can be pretty cold. But could you get candy floss? Get what? Candy floss. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And uh, in those days, did I mean, did people swim in the sea, or was it too cold? No, no, they swam in the sea. But there's also the coast for Great Yarmouth goes for about two miles. It's a long... Uh, coast, I, yes, I would say two miles, and uh, it really can be cold. My father always used to say, because he had his office in the house, one of the front rooms, and he always used to say that uh, you ca when the wind is in the east, you can't get the place warm, my office warm. When the in wind is in the east, it's neither fit for man nor beast. <laughs> He used to say, yes. So it's quite a, so you had to be quite hardy to be in Norfolk. Yes, you had. 
Yes, I was very much born up, brought up in the horse age. Uh, I mean, after all, as I said, uh, 36 was the telephone number. Everything was absolutely basic. And I was brought up uh, in the uh, horse age. But I had a very happy childhood. And another thing that I dreamt about the other night was the swallows and the house martins because every year about early September they would all gather together and cluster on the telegraph wires outside our office uh, for, for our firm, our building firm. And then they would, uh, this was fairly early in the morning, about 8 o'clock, something like that, and they would all chirp away and make a terrific noise. And then all of a sudden, away they would go, and they would fly to uh, North Africa, the warm climate, for to spend the winter. And then they would come back the following year. A lot of people said uh, that it would be the same birds would come back and nest in our buildings uh, that flew away. And we always talked about netting, say, half a dozen and ringing them and catching them next year and see if they really came back or not. But we never actually rang them. So, so putting a ring on their leg. That's right. Uh, we should have rung them and we should have uh, tried to trace them and see if, if it was, in fact, the same birds that came back. The amazing navigation of the house martins and swallows. My thanks to Dan Waters, the climber of 80 feet oak trees. That's nearly 27 metres. Next week, Dan's wife Vera tells me about how she set up Hong Kong's first charm school. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>